Shabbat This week is um, the anniversary of the passing of the previous Rebbe. It's also the anniversary of the day that our Rebbe became Rebbe. So I'll share with you a few stories about oops, the words of a tzaddik. And uh, the words of a tzaddik have... Um, have come to fruition in a way that's physical and tangible in the physical world. And uh, as we are celebrating the day of the previous Lubavitch Rebbe and day of our Rebbe, we uh, should, should celebrate the coming of Mashiach and see the fulfillment of the Rebbe's words in his very first discourse. Basi Lagani, the previous Rebbe, gave his last discourse on those words. Basi Lagani, I've come to my garden. And the Rebbe began his first discourse on the same words, I've come to my garden. We find this phenomenon in many other tzaddikim, um, as the Talmud says about where um, Moses finished, Joshua began, and other tzaddikim continued in the same place that the tzaddik before them finished. So the theme of the words Basiladani is about Hashem's presence is manifest in his physical world. When Hashem created the world, His presence was manifest, we could see it. And then after the seven sins of seven generations, God's presence became more and more hidden. And then through the uh, mitzvahs of seven generations, from Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, God's presence again became revealed in the world until Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu brought God's presence to be fully manifest with the giving of the Torah and more permanently with the construction of the Mishkan, the tabernacle. But the ultimate meaning of Basi Lagani, I've come to my garden, is, as the Rebbe said in his first discourse, to actually bring the coming of Mashiach when God's presence will be manifest physically in this world forever. That's the role of our generation, just like Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the seventh from Abraham, and he brought the, God's presence to be manifest in this world physically, in the tabernacle temporarily, so to our generation, which is the seventh, from the Alter Rebbe, the role of our generation is to actually bring about the coming of Mashiach. So we should see this happen immediately, and I want to share a few stories about the power of the words of a tzaddik. The uh, first story is about the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab was leading a Hasidic gathering on Simchas Torah, and in the middle of the gathering, he um, turned to one of the Hasidim, who was who is, um, his name was Psachia from Kherson. And he tell, told him, Psachia, in the winter, you're going to be in the forest because he had a lot of uh, workers. He would, um, a lot of um, land where he would cut down trees and use the lumber and sell the lumber. Because in the winter, you're going to be in the forest. What will you do on Hanukkah? When will you light the candles of Hanukkah? By the way, this story is from the Sefer Rabbi Perlov, so, so Psachia answered Rebbe Rashab and said, I'm going to light the candles. Um, in my home, I have a little house over there near the forest, and I'm going to light the candles there. And the Rebbe Rashab said, no. He said, take with you candles in the morning when you leave, so you should have them ready with you. Then he switched the subject and started to talk about some Torah, and he didn't continue talking to Rabsachi at all. So the winter comes, and 
he goes to the forest with his employees to uh, cut wood, to cut, to cut down the trees. And he came in the morning before Hanukkah, and he had a Jewish assistant, and the Jewish assistant knew about these words that ever Hashab, and he told Rebzachia, you forgot the candles. He remembered, oh, you have to get the candles. He went back to the home he had out at the, at the outskirts of the forest, he got the candles, and they went out into the forest. As they're walking into the forest with their with the other non-Jewish employees, these employees took a axe and turned to Reb and this and this employee, and they said, give us your money. So Reb didn't have most of his money with him. He left most of the money in his in the home in the in the outskirts of the forest, but he had a few hundred rubles, which, which for these uh, employees was a lot of money also. He gave them the money. And they had that they had the axe and they threatened him and he gave them the money. But the employees said, the employees, several of them um, were part of this heist, they said, You need to give us, you we need to kill you now because you know who we are, you know our names, you're going to report us to the police, so we need to kill you. So Rabsachia and the other the other Jewish employee begged them, please don't kill us. And they said, there's no, nothing to talk about. You know who we are. You're going to report us. We have no choice. We just want you your money, but we have no choice. We can't let you free. We're going to endanger ourselves. So Rapsachis said, listen, before we, you kill us, let me tell you something. Today's a very special day for the Jews. Today we light our candles. Can you let us do our last prayers? Let us light our candles. So they agreed. And Rapsachia and the employee and they added the confessionary prayer, um, prayer you say before passing away, God forbid, and they're crying and crying, and then they light the menorah. Light the menorah. And in this region where they were, there was a uh, a very wealthy landowner, a paritz, and he is driving with his horses and his entourage, and he sees in the middle of the forest, he sees his candles. So he came together with his entourage and he sees these Jews are crying, lighting candles, these people behind him with an axe. And after a short conversation, he figured out what was going on. He arrested those guys and Reb Sachia and the, his, his, uh, his, his employee were, Baruch Hashem, set free. So the Rebbe Rashab said, you're going out in the winter. Where are you going to light Hanukkah candles? It wasn't just giving them a chance to light Hanukkah candles. Those candles actually saved his life. There was a uh, second story about Rebbe Hashab. There was a doctor in Vitebsk whose name was Dr. Lieberman, a very famous doctor. And he was um, from an Ashkenazic background. And he is um, also probably, probably for love, say, from Kutis Supreme. He was from an Ashkenazic background. And uh, he uh, was a religious man. And he... Um, at the time of the Rebbe Hashab, it wasn't anymore the the machlokas, uh, 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 the argument between the Hasidim and those against the Hasidim. There was actually a very great camaraderie between the Hasidim and, non, and the Litvish and the Lithuanian community. And but this Rabbi um, Lieberman, he he um, had no, no dealings at all. He did, never met the Rebbe Hashab, never met any of the Chabad Rebbes. And he had his way of serving God. And 
one of the things that he would do was that he would, as a doctor, he um, wouldn't want to be called on Shabbos. Although technically, according to Jewish law, you, you are required to do anything you can to save someone's life. But his personal um, custom was that he would not um, he would not want to be um, called on Shabbos and people knew about it. And the only thing he would do on Shabbos was he, if you live near his house, he could walk to your house, he would walk to your house on Shabbos. But even then, he wouldn't want to write a prescription. He would have his signature on a few on a few papers. And he would have this um, uh, non-Jewish uh, employee to write down any prescription that was needed. So people wouldn't really call on him on Shabbos because um, because they knew like he, he wouldn't he wouldn't come. So so he wasn't very um, he was a prominent doctor and, and people knew not to call on him on Shabbos. He wasn't he wasn't uh, he wasn't into it. But one Shabbos afternoon, he's having a nap. In the middle of his nap, he has a dream. And the dream is he sees this prominent Jew who has a blonde beard. And he says to him, you know, Pekuach Nefesh, when someone's life is in danger, that overrides the laws of the Shabbos. So how is it that you could, um, that you could ignore someone asking you for help medically when their life is in danger? And the laws of Shabbos are meant to be Pushed aside in, in, to keep um, to keep someone's life to keep someone alive. So he has this dream, and he's, he doesn't know who this person is. In, in the, he sees in the dream, and, and he wakes up. As soon as he wakes up, there's a knock on the door, and the um, the uh, uh, the maid in the house goes to the door, and she she tells the guy who comes to the door, "How can the doctor come to my house? It's a serious thing. My daughter is very sick," and. She, she tells the guy at the door, the doctor doesn't see anybody on, on the Sabbath, don't you know? Dr. Lieberman will not see him on Shabbos. She says, he says to her, listen, his life is in danger. The doctor needs to see him. It's, it's very important. She says, I know it's, the doctor deals with people all the time. This is his policy. He will not see anybody on Shabbos. So it goes back and forth. The doctor hears this. And he realizes this wasn't a, uh, this wasn't a coincidence. So he goes to the guy and he says, what's going on? The guy says, Tells him what's going on. And he says, I have a wagon outside. Please, can you help us? So the doctor realized this wasn't a coincidence. And he goes in the wagon. It was about two hours, um, two hours away from uh, where he lived, two hours uh, uh, um, journey. And he examined this man's daughter. Many other doctors had examined her before. But he um, had the insight to know what exactly she needed. He prescribed something for her. And she took the medicine. And he decided that he's going to stay there the rest of Shabbos, the night, until the next day. And he saw that her condition started to get to improve. He watched her for another day, and he asked the um, the father to inform him because he was happy to see that his prescription was working and that he wanted he wanted to stay in touch. A few days later, um, they inform him what's going on, and he was very happy. Baruch Hashem, she's getting better, and. Um, the um, the doctor, as I mentioned before, he had never um, been to Lubavitch, but he uh, was called to visit a patient in the city of Lubavitch, and because he had heard about the Rebbe Rashab, he decided that he's going to uh, go see who he, go see him. 
So he went in to visit the Rebbe Rashab. When he got to the Rebbe Rashab, he, um, he was shocked because he said that the Rebbe Rashab called him to come inside. He was afraid to go inside. The Rebbe Rashab come inside. He was afraid to go inside. Finally, he came inside. And he told the Rebbe Rashab what had happened. And he said, you are the person who I saw in my dream. So Rebbe Rashab said, I don't know about this. Rebbe Rashab said, I don't know about this. But it's possible this was through my advice. Meaning that because Rebbe Rashab had given the advice to this person to take his daughter to Dr. Lieberman, so because that had come from the Rebbe Rashab, therefore, somehow that caused him to appear to the doctor in the dream and to tell the doctor to go to go to um, take care of this patient, which just is amazing. It says that there are many different levels of divine inspiration. The lowest level of divine inspiration is, it says, is that you don't even know why you say what you're saying. Here, the Rebbe Hashem said something, and yet that had, and and he appeared to this person in a dream as a result of him giving advice to visit this doctor, even though he himself didn't know about about this dream at all. One more story about this doctor uh, Lieberman. In the many many Chassidim uh, uh, tried to get an exemption from the army, and um, because serving in the Red Army was a very hard place to keep Judaism, besides the danger itself of serving in the Red Army, and the way they um, the way they would um, get an exemption, they tried to get an exemption, was by um, uh, hurting themselves in various ways to make them exempt from serving the army. There were things they would do to their eyes, things they would do, um, um, and they uh, hurt their arms, the legs, various ways they would try to hurt themselves in a way that hopefully would just be a temporary, temporary ailment, and they would recover, but at least they would be um, exempt from the army. So one yeshiva student of came to visit Dr. Lieberman. He told Dr. Lieberman that um, he showed him his eye. He, he said, I did this kind of thing with my eye to make it look like I have this illness. And I want to go present myself to um, to the doctor. Dr. Lieberman looks at him and he looks at his eye. He says, there's nothing wrong with your eye. And he asked him, which, which city are you from? The way it worked was if you were from a small town, so you wouldn't go to, um, um, to the doctors in your town. You would go to a military hospital in a nearby city. So based upon the information the boy gave him, Dr. Lieberman said, you don't understand. You're going to be called before an expert doctor who is both an expert and he's a Russia and he's a wicked person. There's no way in the world you're going to get an exemption from this guy. Just, just a waste of time. So the boy, he had been on the way to visit this hospital, but hearing the doctor's words, he returned from there and he went back to the city of Lubavitch. He comes in to see the Rebbe Rashab, tells the Rebbe Rashab what the doctor had said. The Rebbe Rashab leaned, leaned his holy head on his hands and, and, he, and he told him that nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be okay. So the boy was very frightened. He said, but Dr. Lieberman said, that the doctor is going to, is a wicked person, and he's an expert, and he's going to tell, there's nothing wrong with my eye. Then Rebbe Hashem again, leaned his holy head on his, on, his, on his hand, 
and he said that there's nothing to worry about. So the boy set off to the uh, military hospital, and when he came there, the uh, the doctor, the head doctor, were seven doctors there, and the head doctor was this doctor that Dr. Lieberman had said he was a wicked person, who was actually Jewish. And as soon as the, the boy walked in, dressed as a as a Hasidic boy, the doctor started screaming at him and cursing him. And and he's and he said, "What are you here for? Why do you think you get exemption? What, what's the matter with you?" And the, the the boy lied down on a couch. They started to examine him. The boy was so frightened because the doctor cursed him so much that the boy couldn't think. So they so they asked the boy if he could see when his eyes were covered. He just said yes. And they asked him if he could see when his eyes weren't covered. He said no. So like he was saying things didn't make any sense. So the doctor started screaming at him again, cursing him, cursing at him in Russian. Then he walked over to him and he whispered to him. He said, Ferd, just say you cannot see. Okay. So from then on, he said, I, don't, I can't see. Can you see now? I can't see. Everything he said, I can't see. And the doctor said, this guy obviously can't see. And he wrote down on a uh, on the official document, and all the other six doctors signed the document as well, that this boy just cannot see. And therefore, he should be uh, he should be exempt from the army. And Baruch Hashem, this, that's what happened to this boy. Rebbe Hashem said there was no issue. And although according to nature, according to science, there was an issue. The guy was in deep trouble. But the tzaddik said the words, nothing to worry about. There was, there was nothing to worry about. So as I mentioned last week on Saturday night, there's a custom to sing the song. It's not our custom. Uh, but the uh, there is a custom to sing. Altira Av Yaakov. Do not be afraid, my servant Yaakov. Hashem inspires us and tells us as a new week begins, don't be afraid. Hashem is with us in our in our mission in this world to bring Basi Lagani, to bring the coming of Mashiach. Hashem help us all. We should see the Basi Lagani, Hashem's manifest presence in this physical world. Amen. Thank you. This job is. Uh, we, I can't hear you. Your, your thing is in the back. It's it's making a noise. Something in.